Today on the 1012 Podcast, myself, Andy, and Jamie welcome Haley Lewis of Big 12 Weekly to the show to recap the final bedlam, Texas dominating Kansas State, the Iowa State controversial call, Houston could make a bowl game, plus chocolate lava cake that explodes, six siblings, Andy breaking Jalen Daniel news, and a lot more. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference Plus. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. That is never going to get old and not weird. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network. Find every podcast in the network at 1012network.com, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. And we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. They're adding new shows all the time. You need to go check it out. They will have something for you, I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday, assuming you listen to this the day that it drops. We are here to recap the weekend that was, and oh, what a weekend it was in the Big 12. I mean, that was from Thursday to the end of the day. Fantastic football to watch. So much to talk about. Cannot wait to dive into all of it. And... We talked about it on Thursday on the Pick Show. We had Scott on to talk about the future Big 12 football schedules. Now that Amy, Amy, God, Andy, JSJ, and our guests are here. Yeah, I know, Andy. I'm sorry. Let's just, let's just. Man. Look, I had. Look, I'm used to catching catching strays from Kansas State fans, Philip. Come on. If you have children four and under like I do, three of them. That's fair. When it's daylight savings time, you understand where I'm currently at. Okay, Look, let's just being all one of saying. being one of seven kids and constantly having my parents call people by the wrong names because they forgot which one they were actually trying to talk to. Um, I'm used to you know people giving me the wrong name, so it's fun. You're one of is seven that a children? reveal? Okay, Wait, I was oh, going to say I probably have never in... said anything like that on here before. Yeah, no, I'm one of seven <laughs> kids. I'm number three out of seven kids. So yes, I am used to, and I've done it with my own kids too. Where you just like you mean to talk to one person, and you say the wrong name because for some reason you just ha- had to say the wrong name. So, and Andy, how many kids do you have? I have four. All right, we've talked Less about this before on here. I we talked about it. It was long enough ago though that it's probably not that surprising that you don't remember. So, All right. I get called Jody. A I lot. will say though, Jody, <laughs> Jody. Wait, wait, what? Okay, now that oh wait, that's yeah, my mom. That makes sense. Duh. <laughs> okay. Uh, since every podcast is someone's first, uh, the voices you're hearing, the male one, 
is Andy Mitz, host of the Rock Shock podcast. Uh, the one other of seven, one yeah. of <laughs> seven siblings. Uh, the other voice is the Vibe Queen herself, JSJ Jamie Steyer Johnson. Uh, I like they, that no one can ever see the fact that every time you do that, I hold up the double piece signs just on instinct. <laughs> oh, it's I thought you were like getting conscious. ready to do like air quotes or something, no, and just never no. actually did it. Every time I gotta acknowledge it. Post- podcasting, a visual medium, and joining us today uh, on her ten twelve debut, she is Haley Lewis, of who just also saluted all of us <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> land of uh, Big Twelve this week on ESPN Plus and uh, Casey Sports Network. Haley, welcome. Appreciate you guys having me on. I gotta, I gotta um, give you a little tidbit. My sister's name is Holly. My name's Haley. So growing up, I was never never referred to as the right person and we're like 14 months apart so i don't have seven siblings andy but i'm i'm close i'm close with the the name <laughs> if i don't believe anyone who would tell me they don't have a member of their family who gets everyone confused i was called my name my uncle's name uh, my father's name uh, my brother <laughs> went through all the same thing like it's just it's, a, it's usually a grandparent i catch myself with my girls sometimes doing it where i have to run down the list of bin, 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 it you uh go do this okay so it's, it, it's it almost a rite of passage honestly I, <laughs> I i like to believe that someday my brain will operate effectively i think it's more at this point like we'll just operate better than at its current pace less than it will <laughs> actually ever be back to uh uh right off the showroom floor uh, so let's talk about the Big 12 football schedule just a little bit. Um, I'll get each of your thoughts since I haven't had them so far. I, I, I've thought a bit about this since our, our initial reactions on Wednesday uh, with me and Scott. Uh, that is uh, available on YouTube or last week's PickSpot if you want to check it out. The way the schedule is set up, specifically the four protected rivalries only being in-state rivalries. We've talked about how... Plenty of infighting amongst the ADs. Basically, it felt like a, this is what we're going to do to make it easy, and we don't have to worry about any of the other rivalries that some people care about and some people don't. Leads me to this question, and this is me at my most pessimistic, uh, which is written while I was watching Bedlam and not at the end, obviously, during the game. It raises the question in my mind, how much are the rivalries that Big 12 fans care about, like Farmageddon, the Riot Ball, the Dust Bowl, actually worth? Because I think we have the answer, which is um, not much. Like, I, <laughs> I remember seeing national writers and podcasters just learning that there was a name for the Iowa State-Kansas State game like two years ago. So it's not like everyone in the world is aware of what Farmageddon actually is. To most people, it's just Iowa State-Kansas State on a Saturday, which tells you, I think, what all we need to know. That it is the most, I don't know, recognizable rivalry outside of what will be the Holy War with Utah and BYU. But of the original eight that will remain i guess you could call them the leftovers whatever you want to say it's farmageddon one of the longest played games like i i don't like it please understand that you don't have to like it either but specific matchups that don't have significant national value like i understand not necessarily trying to worry about protecting them especially from a brand building standpoint there's no reason to fight to keep them especially when you're having a hard time getting everyone on the same page as far as the schedule goes anyway so like again i wish we had protected a few more games i wish that everyone could have a game each year that they had as a annual game as opposed to just playing you know more a few more teams a few more times but i i've come around to the point of like i don't necessarily love it but i get it well so someone that i talked with who i guess supposes or 
from what I can tell is at least somewhat close to the way all of that kind of played out um, was under the impression that Brett Yormark, if it was completely up to him, there wouldn't be any protected rivalries at all. Like the idea, because the idea is to make it as, as uh, like the biggest, the biggest problem, right. With, with conference realignment and what everybody points to is the fact that you hardly ever play a lot of the people in your conference because the schedules are just so locked up and you have, you know, three or four protected games or you're in a division or something like that. And I I believe like, I believe Georgia like, still hasn't gone to Texas A&M. Correct. Georgia has still not gone to College Station to play Texas A&M. Um, you know, and they've been in the same conference for, oh gosh, forever now at this point. So like, I think that was the number one goal was we need to avoid that as much as we possibly can. And so it's a really big selling point, I think, for them nationally as well to be able to say, hey, you play everybody home and away every four years. I think the only reason we have protected rivalries for the in-state rivalries is one, it's the lowest numbers that they could actually get away with. Um, and there was concern about huge, like huge pushback if the in-state rivalries didn't, didn't get guaranteed, but that's really all it is. Like from what I was told, Texas tech and Houston had an opportunity to set one up. They weren't really that particularly interested. In it. I think Texas tech would rather have had like Baylor or, or TCU to be honest. But so like there were other opportunities for a few, but basically they said the the only way to guarantee you're going to have a rivalry game get protected is if it's an in-state one. The other issue, like I understand that Farmageddon is like the biggest one, right? Like, and, and honestly, I think that's one that I would want to see, but the problem then becomes if, if you protect that one as well, then Kansas state has two protected rivalries. It's going to be a lot harder for people to get Kansas state on the schedule in the conference. And it just, it muddies everything up. So I think the fact that they try to eliminate it as much as possible to give them as much flexibility as possible to change things around. I mean, I get the logistical issues, but I just think that it's a shame that the fact that first of all, everything is about marketability and media sucks. I'm freaking sick of it. I'm sick of hearing about it, but also You've spent so much time and effort pushing these rivalries that involve Texas and that involve Oklahoma that you haven't given as much attention to some of these other rivalries. Obviously, to me, that's involving Iowa State. But even beyond that, that's that's been an issue for so long where you bend over backwards trying to appease mostly Texas, frankly, but Oklahoma in there as well. And then they turn around and they jump ship. And so you're trying to make things work and it ends up hurting all the other people who are left behind. Like it's, it's a terrible situation and it's really, really frustrating, especially to have one of the longest running rivalries in the country to just say, yeah, you know, that's all well and good, but logistics is what it is. And to just throw that away is uh, it's extremely unfortunate. And I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating, especially for the fact that, and she kind of alluded to it, Jamie was saying how it's almost as if everyone's just selling out for the big check. And, and that's the truth. And you get it. Money speaks, right? Money is money and you need what you need. And and conferences like ACC, Big Ten, we see them putting in a lot of effort to protect those rivalries. And then we see, you know, big checks come along. And I understand that that's what makes the, the world go round and certain rivalries disappear because of that. But I mean, look at college football right now, realignments going on, NIL deals coming in, 
there is so much of a shift in college football right now that you couldn't just give the fans their damn rivalry. <laughs> like you're taking and shifting everything and moving it. And there's a lot of change. And as we all know, change is great, but change is also hard for fan bases. Can't you protect the rivalries that have so much history? And you were even saying a few of them. And I have to be honest with you, uh, covering this is my first year covering the Big 12 in depth. I've been covering it for numerous seasons, but not as in depth as this year. And a few of those names you were throwing around were kind of going over my head. I had to look a few of them up because we don't talk about them anymore. And pretty much here where I'm based in Kansas City, you talk about the border war, but that's, you know, now between two different conferences. And then you go back and you think about, okay, yeah, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. But but again, Jamie made a really good point. It's pretty much all about the SEC teams right now. And it seems like they're only protecting those rivalries that involve the two teams that are actually leaving the Big 12 so what is the Big 12 doing to keep the history alive? Because the fact that Bedlam or like we're not going to see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State go at it again for a long time after what we got to witness on Saturday is a damn shame. Yeah, I think the part of the problem, too, though, is you're bringing in a large portion of schools that don't have history with the ones that are already here at all. And so if you, you know, like I understand, like if you keep. BYU, Utah, you keep like Colorado and Utah, you keep like a lot of those rivalries for the new people. And then you keep, you know, Kansas State and both Iowa State and Kansas. Like if you try to protect multiple rivalries for each individual team, like you lose out on opportunities to start building rivalries with the with the people that don't have a, a history at all. And I think that's kind of the, the double edged sort of is you're losing a rivalry with a team. You know, I'm sorry, you're losing a continuous rivalry with a team that you've played so often, but it's also opening up, I think, additional opportunities to start having games against some of those other teams to actually start to build some of those rivalries. Because I think that's the biggest like that, that. That was the biggest criticism that I saw about it was like, well, yeah, you have all these teams that have nothing in common. So, like, you're not going to be able to build any rivalries because there's nothing like every single year. But I think the problem is we don't know which teams are going to be rivals in the new conference. Like we don't know which, which fan base are going to piss each other off, which programs are going to have problems with each other and try to come up with some big reason of why they absolutely hate a different program. But if you don't have that exposure to them, you're going to lose out on all of those opportunities to do it. So I understand, you know, with so many different teams, with so many different backgrounds and not having that shared history together, if we were going to try to protect a bunch of rivalries and we would have, you know, each or we all the big the old big eight teams would have rivalry games with the other big eight teams and you'd have the pac-12 teams coming in have you know rivalries with the other pac-12 teams but there would be nothing linking the conference together it would just be basically two pods of rivalries you know you could have aac rivalries with ucf houston and and uh and cincinnati but like the idea i think at this point is to try to throw everybody into that same melting pot. So that way they can start to build rivalries with everybody in the conference and not just hang on to the ones that they already had. I think at the end of the day, rivalries, look, West Virginia has been here for how long? It doesn't have a rivalry. Like you can't force them no matter how much we try and how much we try to be creative and try to and, and hope that they'll happen. Yeah. I like, was going to say, what about the rival? Come on. Like West I, Virginia and Iowa yeah, state. <laughs> I get it. Okay. I, I get it. But also like, like even most West Virginia fans are like, yeah, yeah, all right. Like Cincinnati's here, they're still like, yeah, yeah all right, whatever. Uh, I think if the plus side to this, again, it goes back to brand building and and TV, which I I get it. Your for the teams who do not have a set rivalry, the in-state ones, you're going to get 
three games in the next four years against more teams. So you'll see a few more teams more often than you would have. And from a from a selling the conference standpoint, what that means is there is a greater likelihood of more games against the best teams during the regular season to sell and grow your brand, as opposed to limiting the number of opponents you play, and potentially having situations like the SEC had where it was like, all these teams are great. It's like, no, they all just got to play Tennessee and Arkansas and Vanderbilt every year. So like their schedules and their resumes were bloated because they played, you know, the same bad teams all the time. So like, look, it is what it is. And I think, I'm coming around to just being okay with it and uh, and we can move on. And so that's the perfect transition to talking about the end of a rivalry, the final bedlam, Oklahoma State 27, Oklahoma 24. Let's start with the Oklahoma State side of this. There will not be another regular season bedlam while Mike Gundy is the head coach at Oklahoma State. I'm going to I'm just that's the that is the stake I'm putting in the ground. He has made enough claims about the game for me to feel confident in making that assumption and that statement. It will fall on whoever takes over the program after him to fight for its return in the regular season. Could a bowl game happen? Maybe we've had many opportunities for Texas Texas A&M and they avoid each other like the absolute plague in a bowl game, so we'll see if that ever actually does come to fruition. 12 team playoff. And plus when you win the final bedlam when you know the Bedlam Trophy lives in your house in perpetuity, that's a completely understandable viewpoint to have now of like, nah, we good. We, you, you can't have it back. You can quote the 90 and whatever all-time record. We don't care. We got the last say. Ha <laughs> ha. Moving forward. <laughs> but, sorry. This one isn't just used for Oklahoma State for what it means from a Bedlam standpoint, which by the way, guys, like it's now as you were listening to this Monday, I'm glad you're celebrating on Sunday. You have a game at UCF next week, and let's 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 tamper it down and, and focus on next week. A game we'll talk about coming up in a bit. Uh, it does put Oklahoma State in the driver's seat to reach Arlington in December. An absolutely insane statement to have made back in September when OSU lost to South Alabama in Stillwater, 33 to seven. Moving forward, Oklahoma State now has tiebreakers with four of the five teams who are one game behind them: Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State, and West Virginia. Iowa State is the only team that they have lost to in conference play. To suffer their second loss this weekend, a game we'll talk about in a minute. So Oklahoma State, Texas, the only two teams with one loss in the conference standings, three games left. If you're looking at Oklahoma State, let's just throw the non-conference out. It's what I keep trying. I felt like I've been comfortable saying for a few weeks now. It's time to, follow, to, to, to do it. Throw out the non-con. It doesn't mean anything. It has no impact on what this team looks like now. I'm not saying they're not going to get tripped up, but they would have to lose twice or have Iowa state go on a run and they lose one more time. Like Oklahoma state sits with the way the tiebreakers work in a perfect situation that three and O means you're in two and one. You still have a really high percentage chance of getting to Arlington, which is insane to say this year. Yeah. I, I just have to start by um, apologizing publicly to Ari Temkin and red and ridiculing his take that <laughs> Oklahoma state could potentially win the Big 12 this year. I will um, text him that you said that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been a fantastic turnaround for them under under Mike Gundy. And, you know, it's funny because we were talking <laughs> not too long ago about like, hey, man, this is like a really bad showing by Mike Gundy. Could this be the thing that finally puts him on the hot seat officially? And uh, no, he's pulled magic out of a hat. And I mean, I was happy to see them win against Bedlam, um, even if it, you know, you know, even if it hurts my my team's chances of making the conference championship game, but uh, but yeah, I, I just you know this is a this is a, a fantastic 
win for them and to be able to be able to kind of hold that, you know, over Oklahoma's head now forever, essentially at this point until they finally decide to play again. Um, you know, I, I would know something about that because Kansas won the last uh, football game against Missouri before they left for the SEC. And then, you know, they've won a ton of times in basketball as well. So it's like having that bargain or that, that bragging rights over your rival who decided to leave the conference is absolutely fantastic. You're going to enjoy this for years to come, Philip. A win over Oklahoma and Texas is a win for the rest of the league. And <laughs> also, I think that every week just makes it so much clearer that, like, no one ever knows anything. And <laughs> you're never going to be able to predict nearly as many things as you think you will. Like, just the the way in which Oklahoma State started the season, like, you can talk about that for the entirety of the year. Like, yeah, throw out the preseason stuff. But the actual in-season stuff was not not impressive for a stretch there. And so I I just continue to be amazed by uh, college sports as a whole, but also for all the people who want to cry and moan and, and laugh about, oh, what is the Big 12 going to be without Oklahoma and Texas? I mean, the answer is plenty entertaining. <laughs> like... Oh no, I don't get to watch like teams dominate consistently the same couple. That's fine, but they're getting beat anyway. There's plenty of good storylines. Like if you think that a conference is based on a team or two, like you just aren't paying attention and also you probably watch too much football. <laughs> That's a perfect way to say that. You're too invested. And, and probably SEC football in particular. There you go. There you go. I think this is, I mean, that was so exciting to watch. I have no ties to the Sooners or the Cowboys. Um, but to see what they've done, uh, I think I was looking at it, and Ollie Gordon had maybe like 109 rushing yards through three games, uh, the, the first three games of the season. And now, let me pull up ESPN real quick. He's at 1,224 rushing yards. He's leading college football right now. What they've been able to do is just find their little niche, right? With Alan Bowman, they did this whole little trio of quarterbacks, and they kept going through this carousel. And I never thought the carousel was ever going to end, and they were going to get off it. And then they land on the super senior. And what he's – and I hate to say the word system quarterback, but he plays the role. He does what he needs to do, but he's a little more, he has a higher IQ than, than, than people want to give him credit for, for what he's been able to do, stay calm, the veteran leadership that he brings, but what the two of them have been able to pair up together. And then you got to credit the coaching staff. You got to give it to Gundy and what they've been able to find works. And they've continued to just put the foot on the pedal and, and roll away with this thing. And, and you guys all mentioned it. I would have laughed your face off if you told me, that the Cowboys would potentially be in going to Arlington, you know, for the big 12 championship, that they would potentially be playing Texas. Cause if all things ended today, that's how it would end up after South Alabama. I thought that they were completely doomed, but they, it just goes to show play football at the right time and play good at the right time and find your footing. And that, and that's what they've been able to do. So it's exciting to watch that. And you mentioned the conference, what about what, you know, Oklahoma State's done, but also look at Kansas, look at Kansas State, Iowa State. There's so much good football to watch. And I love the fact that a lot of them didn't really start off well. 
and they're continuing to do well at the right time. Um, and, and no hate to your Sooners, Andy, but I mean, it's been kind of nice watching the Sooners get, get knocked down and roughed up a little bit by a school like Kansas, who you never in a million years. Oh, I'm, I'm not a Sooners fan at all. I was just, no, no, no. It's I'm, I'm a Kansas fan and I was, you know, I needed Oklahoma State to lose to fall behind the Jayhawks. Don't let so. me speak that on you. I'm so sorry I put that yeah. on. No, 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 no. no. Was, I, was, I, I'm sorry. I had to set you yeah. straight there because, yeah. No, clipping that. Clipping <laughs> that. That's that's going in the vault. Andy is a Jayhawks fan. Okay. Yes. Here we are. Newton, <laughs> on the block. Maybe I pass it back to Philip before I get kicked off the podcast. But to to reiterate what you guys are all saying, I think it's exciting what's happening. <laughs> whether you're for the Sooners or whether you're for Oklahoma state, you gotta, you gotta like say that's good football and it's not sec football. And we got to witness it in the big 12. And I love that. Uh, final note on OSU is an Oklahoma state fan watching that game for Oklahoma state to reach OU's 36 or better on three straight drives that end in turnover on down, turnover on down interception by your running back and still win. That is not a thing in the history of my Oklahoma state fandom that I ever would have said would actually happen, which fits this season perfectly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, for Oklahoma, OU loaded the box to limit Ollie Gordon, and for the most part, it worked, at least compared to the previous three weeks and his time in the uh, Big 12 play, holding him to 137 yards, two touchdowns, and 33 carries. His 4.2 yards per carry were his lowest in Big 12 play. Guess what? He still leads the nation in, in rushing yards and is tied They hounded him so much that they forced him into an interception. <laughs> he should not have thrown it. He played hero ball. That was a bad decision. Oh, I know. It was so ridiculous, and yet it was so hilarious to watch. Now yeah. knowing, obviously yeah. now, like should that have, they actually won. Should have thrown it back to, to Bowman. But when yeah. I was I was watching it while I was working out in my basement, and all of a sudden I hear Ollie Gordon pick, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he threw a pick? What? Uh, that was that was wild. But I mean, crazy game. Good football to watch. Uh, for Oklahoma, now moving forward, they either need Texas to lose again. OSU to lose twice or some weird tiebreaker situation to come into play to reach Arlington in their final big 12 season. The playoff dream is dead. Um, and I think it's fair to continue as an Oklahoma fan to sit here and question at least Jeff Levy. I'm not, I'm not gonna, it's year two. And I know that the expectation for some of the stuff because of things that other coaches have done is to like year one, look at Sonny Dykes. <laughs> we'll talk about him. Uh, Tennessee, like, I think if you're building something, Oklahoma is still building towards what they want to be in year two in Venable. So I'm not out on Venables. I, it, OU fans who I know have certain expectations, like I get it. You want to question Jeff Levy and how long he should stay in Norman? That's probably not a bad question to ask, uh, especially looking at some of the decisions he tends to make in game. Um, oh, by the way, for OU to, to get to Arlington, they still would also have to win out against West Virginia, BYU, and TCU, which isn't exactly a gauntlet of a closing three-game stretch. But didn't expect him to win, lose back-to-back games in Kansas and Oklahoma State now, did we? So I was say, given the way that they've played, though, it doesn't have to be a gauntlet to keep them from going through, you know. So I, I believe that six turnovers in the last two games combined by Oklahoma, if I yes. recall. 
you know, three against Kansas, and they had three turnovers on Saturday against Oklahoma State. So something to keep an eye on moving forward. All right, Texas 33, Kansas State 30 in OT. Let's start with Texas. Now, I'm going to say the negative, and then I'm going to talk about all the positive. Uh, we talked about this all season. Red zone issues. Four red zone possessions against Kansas State. 13 points in those. That continues to be a major issue that is going to bite them. Maybe it doesn't bite them until the playoff. Maybe they get there and that's when it actually hurts them like it did against Oklahoma. Maybe it hurts them in one of the three games to close out the regular season. Maybe it hurts them in Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. I don't know, but it remains a problem for them. Despite that, and the final score, and the game going into overtime, Texas dominated this game. I cannot wait for Parker Fleming's how bad did we get beat graphic on Monday. Because I got a feeling some of the Big 12 ones are going to be real interesting to look at. Texas dominated this game. Turnovers on their side of the field nearly cost them the game, but their defensive line was fantastic. They made Kansas State's offensive line just look bad. It It made them look bad. Texas kept one of the best red zone offenses out of the end zone three times to end that game to help seal that victory. Because Kansas State had opportunity, 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 and Texas's defensive line especially kept bowing up and saying, no, no, no. I believe it was. Uh, Stephen Godfrey at Split Zone Duo, fantastic show. Um, he said Bo Davis was right. That was the comment. Because you all remember the Bo Davis ran on the bus that the audio was caught in, in, in year one for Sarkeesian. Like, how physical are you? This Texas defense is physical. This is a physical team, and it was two teams that like to play physical, and Texas defensive line won this. And if not for some boneheaded turnovers by Texas, Kansas State's not even in this game taking it to overtime. So, like, I don't think this was as close as the final score indicated. I think Texas played pretty dang well. My last note for Texas is kind of a Kansas State note for Texas. Kansas State has rated in all metrics for most of the season as one of the 20 best teams in the country. I know they're not in the rankings. I think they got screwed when they lost to Missouri. They never should have fallen out of the rankings. It was stupid. But the ratings, metrics, everybody, K Ford, uh, Beta Rank, uh, BF Toys, all of them have really liked Kansas State. Texas is not going to get enough credit for this win because it was close and the Kansas State's ranked where they are and it was in overtime and Kansas State came back into it. This should be treated like a bigger win than it will be on the national stage and by the playoff committee. And I don't like time by the playoff, but we're going to for a second anyways. This is a bigger win. Kansas State is a really good team. They rate as such. This team, this win should be treated as such for Texas. Sorry, were you asking me a question? No, I, I, I finished on a statement. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, no, I was just surprised like nobody else was saying anything, so. Order, uh, and I feel bad because I called you a sooner, so I was nervous. Oh, no, no, you're fine. You can say whatever you want to Andy. He can take you, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just saying, you I was should, just saying. I mean, do more. don't worry, Haley. <laughs> you're about to find out why Kansas State fans hate me so much because I look at this game oh, and this tells me everything that I need to know about this Kansas State team. They got gifted the way back into this game. Those turnovers were atrocious. And I, you know, you can you can say yes, Kansas State had to actually get those turnovers, but Texas did everything that they possibly could to gift wrap those and give Kansas State basically 21 points uh to be able to get back into this game at the end. I, I do not I like Texas dominated them from start to finish, with the exception of hey, accidentally throwing the ball to the wrong team a couple of times and like. And yeah, sure, that us. kind of stuff happens, but right, exactly. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, 
that that kind of stuff happens. And obviously you have to give them enough credit to be in the right place to take advantage of that. But there was no reason that that Kansas State should have been able to come back in that game. Like that was very much a Texas throwing them back into the game as opposed to Kansas State actually doing that comeback on their own. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It definitely like people were saying, you know, Kansas State, they have grit. They always get after it. They play hard, and and they do, and and they, and they do do a great job of playing through adversity and finding those opportunities. But like you said, Texas did gift them, and and they're using their backup quarterback right now, and and he looked so flustered in the second half, and that just comes down to being a young kid being thrown into such a big program, picking up you know where Quinn Ewers left off, and that's that's a you know heavy shoes to fill for him or big shoes to fill. So I don't see that being an issue for Texas. They're saying viewers can even potentially come back as early as this next week. They'll probably push it another week. But you mentioned it. There's a few issues with Texas, and it's it's red zone and and the fact that their quarterback's out. But K-State, it was ugly. That first half, 17-7, I think, is what it was at the halftime. It did not feel that way. It felt like a shutout. Uh, and, and it was really hard to watch what they were doing. And I don't know what the, the miscommunication was or if it's just the fact that they were getting beat in the trenches every single time. But K-State, they've been so back and forth this year. Sometimes I watch them and I'm just like, yeah, this team's got it together. Climbing's changed the culture. It's all coming together. And then sometimes I'm just like, what is happening? You were in the Big 12 championship last year. Well, I, I think the big thing here is that Kansas State is so used to being able to dominate on the lines, both offense and defense. And this year, when they've had a, a a decided advantage in terms of you know physicality and athleticism on the lines, they've played really well and they've looked like a really good team. But even now, in kind of even situations where you know they're basically the same, if they're not dominating that line, they have a really hard time getting anything going and maintaining anything. And so I think that's kind of been the biggest thing is that and why Kansas State has always been so successful, that why they were so successful under Bill Snyder and why they were so successful for the first you know few years of, of Chris Kleiman. And even last year is that they have they've always had really, really good offensive lines and really, really good defensive lines. And they just don't have that this year. They don't have the advantage that they normally do in those areas against a lot of different teams. They did in the you know, the three weeks prior against Houston and, you know, uh, some of the other teams. Well, yeah, anyway. Like everyone that they've played in the last three weeks before the Texas game, they had those they had those advantages again. And so they looked absolutely fantastic. They didn't have that against Texas. And we saw what happens when they don't have the advantage that they're so used to having. I think that's a good way of saying it. I mean, they went in to try two teams who try to play physical football, and Texas actually finally has the physicality that they needed to to win in those kinds of games. For Kansas State. You you had one legitimate touchdown drive. And what I mean by that is you had one touchdown drive that started on your side of the field. The one at the f- first half, the one touchdown in the first half started the Texas 42 because of a block punt. Then you had a touchdown that started at the, what was it? Uh, you had a touchdown that started at the Texas 12 and a touchdown that started at the Texas 32. You had one touchdown that started on your side of the field for Kansas State. Yeah, like when you look at the graphic, on Monday, and it looks like Texas won by a lot, even though the score was three points in overtime. That's why. Like, that is absolutely why. So, uh, the other thing for Kansas State, where was Avery Johnson? <laughs> one pass attempt, one run attempt, one run for negative one yard. That was the extent of the freshman phenom's usage against Texas. He has been absolutely integral in Kansas State's offensive resurgence in recent weeks. 
and they basically didn't use him. Was this just like, oh, our offensive line is going to struggle in this game. We should probably protect the freshman for the future. Will Howard didn't play necessarily poorly. Like his stats look good, but like to not have Avery Johnson out there, like this two quarterback system you've been using is what you've been using to win the last few weeks and dominate to not have him used at all. It was a little bit surprising. Like just, I, and I, I have yet to get an answer from anyone of like, well, something was wrong. Like I, I guess that was just the game plan because I hadn't seen any injuries report or anything about it. Maybe he got hurt in the game and I just missed it. Like, sorry, I went to a three-year-old's birthday party in the morning. So I was paying attention and then watched as much as I could watch. How the dare audacity. you? <laughs> Look, they bring their one child to my three kids' birthdays. I'm going to take my three kids to their one child's birthday. Okay? That's okay, fair. That sounds like a fair trade. <laughs> that kid's probably so jacked. Does each kid bring one gift? Uh, no, there was no, there, no no gifts. Howard was a dinosaur party, uh, so they did a dinosaur egg hunt in the front yard, and there was a cake birthday cake with an active volcano. Okay, we might need to like, not not talk about any more any more Big Twelve football. Let's just talk about this active volcano at a kid's I, birthday party. Uh, yeah, that yeah. sounds more like a cult meeting. <laughs> not like Joe versus the volcano. Like its sprinkles came out. Okay. Ooh, a sprinkle volcano. That yeah, it was a sprinkle cooler. volcano. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. makes it even cooler. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a grown-ass man who wants a volcano sprinkle, uh, active volcano sprinkle cake at my birthday party. So, Heck yeah. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wife that doesn't listen to this. Um, I just for Kansas State, like... I've got something to bring to Elisa Woods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would be... Uh, I'm about to text her. You do that. You do that. All right. This this went this went off from Kansas State. Um, <laughs> let's just let's just uh, Haley thoughts <laughs> on sprinkle cakes. <laughs> yeah, and volcanoes on on on, uh, on, volcanoes. on exploding baked goods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm hungry. But I will say, <laughs> I did think that you know after the first two weeks that they kind of platoon the quarterback role. I thought that they were going to continue that. And then last week they fed it to Will Howard because he was just a hot hand. And so maybe I was like, oh, maybe they're kind of going in this thing where just feed it to the guy who's hot. So Will Howard was hot last week. Avery Johnson didn't do a bad job, but he had less, you know, way less significant role than the two prior weeks when they were kind of platooning the role. And then all of a sudden we don't see him at all. So I'm, I'm with you. I have tried to, to kind of question around with a few friends who I know who are beat reporters there. I don't know where he was because you sure could have used him. Sure could have used him on the ground, especially in that game. But yeah, with you guys on, I hope now the Kansas State fans are going to come for me. Don't come for me. I have nothing against your Wildcats. I think you're a phenomenal team. It's just Texas is way better. No, no, don't don't worry. They will find a way to have your takes to get blamed on me. So. Oh well, hey. good. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You said it first. I'm just reading the script. You you can find Haley Lewis on uh, Big Twelve this week on ESPN Plus if you want to go grab at her. Uh, we're gonna get the there numbers up this week. Uh, <laughs> Kansas twenty eight, Iowa State twenty one. Let's start with Iowa State. Uh, Thursday's picks pod. I said we had two competing trends coming into this game. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com iowa state 
had 28 games with a spread between minus four and plus four under Matt Campbell, and the Cyclones were seven of 21 of those games and had lost eight of the last nine. Make that now seven of 22 in such games and losers of nine of the last 10. Unranked favorites had won 15 of the last 20 against ranked dogs. Make that 15 of the last 21 thanks to Iowa State. I picked the wrong trend. I tried to take Matt Campbell's side. Don't ever. If there's a Matt Campbell trend, follow the Matt Campbell trend when he is involved. That is the new rule. And that is the rule I will live by. That's okay. Uh, oh, let's talk about the thing I know Iowa State fans want to talk about for good reason. Jalen Noel had a return touchdown that was called back, basically nullified, because ref said he stepped out of the 31. He did it. It wasn't a touchdown, but... It would have been. No, he was out at the four. Okay, he was out Initially, at the Initially, they put him out at the four, and then they moved it back to the 31. I, uh, by, by the way, He's I, out the four. I wholeheartedly agree that it was an atrociously bad call. Yeah, he was in bounds. He was in bounds. Okay, so he got to the four. Iowa State did the score on that drive. Hey, guess what they do if it's at the four? Kick a field goal. Score! Okay, one play doesn't win a no, game. They don't no, it does not. It does not. It does not. But it's an egregious kind of thing. Like that. That's like there's a lot of things that fans want to complain about in games and ref calls and stuff. And if you want to talk about the PA, that one's that one's real bad. Yeah, real bad. Because he did yes. not step out. It didn't look like he stepped out. Like that's one of those things you should have just been like, let's let it go, and then we can come back and be it's like, oh, he stepped out here. Well, well, that's that's the well, thing is like if you have all these rules, that's like. You can go back and review, and you can bring it back, but you can't let a play go on once you've blown it dead. You would think you would err so far on the side of letting it play out, and yet it's what we saw. Well, and and then you know you if if you would bring it back, then you have people losing their minds after it. Of well, why wouldn't you just blow it dead then? Man, I've heard that around this state a little bit in the past couple weeks. Um, but uh, look, uh, what state are I, you in? <laughs> oh, baby, I'm in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to a Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, no, I mean, this is the rest were awful in this game. <laughs> and, and I will definitely agree that most of the or that a larger portion of the bad calls benefited Kansas than they did Iowa State. But I also think they were consistently bad enough that both teams kind of had to deal with it. And like, I don't think it was the thing that decided the game. I agree. But it's that that Texas was... and Oklahoma that are going to get screwed by the refs this year because the Big 12 hates them. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Show me your apology wall. (laughs) Do you guys think think that this was worse than the missed, you know, PI call on uh, Oklahoma's final drive? Oh, much worse. This, this was tons worse. I think this was tons worse. There's blatant video evidence, man. Well, I also think that the PI call one, it's a judgment call. There was some hand fighting between both, you know, both Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. I've seen those instances in the past where they haven't called that because they consider that neither of them got an advantage or anything like this was a clear, he either was in bounds or out of bounds. And the fact that they didn't even review it, I think that's they can't because they blew it. Once it's blown dead, they can't review it. But, but see, that's the thing. I was at the game. I watched them. They actually blew him down and like spotted the ball at the four. The problem was, is that you had three refs that spotted him at the four. You had one guy who came in and said, no, he was out of bounds to the 31, and that's the call that they went with. And so technically, he was originally called down at the four. That's where they actually put it. I was shocked when they actually brought it back. 
we had no idea up in the press box that there was anything that would have brought it back from the four. Like we were all just assumed that that's where it was down. Cause that's where they blew them down. That's where they started to spot the ball. That's where they did everything. And then all of a sudden it's being brought back to the 31. I don't know where anybody like got it in their head that that was like, it was blown dead at the 31. I, I know that that was the explanation that was given on the broadcast, but it was definitely blown dead at the four, not the 31. They allowed the game to, they allowed the play to continue. They allowed all of that to go. And so if you get all the way down there, like it at least should have been reviewed. And and that's the part that I think is, you know, the, the worst part about it is that they didn't review it. The way that it was originally called should have allowed them to go back and actually do that review because there was a question about it. The play continued. We all know what happened afterwards. And they actually initially blew it dead there. I do. I, I think the only, the only reason that the other play that they reviewed they had that phantom fumble that they called it first, like it got reviewed. And so it wasn't as bad of a call eventually because they got it right. But, you know, again, another one of those things was like, we didn't realize that they called a fumble on that. We were like, where's the fumble? Nobody saw the fumble. It wasn't until one of us went on the broadcast, like went to the broadcast, went back to that spot where they were saying, oh, well, they're saying he lost the ball as he was getting ready to throw. It was like, nobody even thought that was even close. So I agree. The rest were absolutely atrocious in this game. It was really, really bad. But I also think it was bad enough overall that you can't blame that loss solely on the refs. You can definitely say it had an impact on the game, but I do think it impacted both teams. For Iowa State, not out of the running for a trip to Arlington, but the we said like they have the cl- toughest closing stretch of everyone in the Big 12. Not uh, not a great start to that closeout stretch with this loss. For Kansas, now 7-2. and two has guaranteed their first winning season since 2007, 2008? 2008. 2008. Good Lord, Kansas. Close your ears. But I'm just to tell you, pray to the God Almighty that Michigan State doesn't throw everything at Lance Leipold because he is in the running. I'm sorry. It's it's a thing that's going to, yeah, I'm just going to say. He's not going to Michigan State. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's a few other jobs he might potentially take, but Michigan State's not one of them. He wants nothing to do with that mess. I mean, Wisconsin's the only one I could ever imagine him leaving for. There's there. Well, he had an opportunity to leave for Wisconsin and essentially told them, I don't want to be a serious candidate anymore. And I I think they were ready to move on from him anyway. But um, he's being, you know, Leipold's being talked about as a potential in the mix for Michigan if, uh, you know, if if Harbaugh gets forced to leave. I don't know that he would go to a job like that because, you know, I think the problem is a place like Michigan State, a place like Michigan the expectations do not align well with building a program in the way he wants to build a program. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the real thing that as a Kansas fan makes me extremely hopeful and very optimistic that he's not going to leave because Kansas has let him build the program the way he wanted to. It went a whole lot faster than I think everybody was was prepared for, but he got the ability to build the program the way that he wanted. Now he's having success. I don't know that he's going to up and leave it if he, you know, as long as he thinks that there's something else he can still do here at Kansas. All I'll say is this. But Michigan State is going to find a program builder. That's what they want. They don't. We talk about this all the time. When you fire the offensive guy, you lean defense. When you fire the player coach, you want someone who comes into discipline. When you fire the guy who is getting fired because of what he's getting fired for, who was the dog, dogged, diehard recruiter, 
you go for the milk toast reliable uh program builder who doesn't have to necessarily be the diehard recruiter but is going to be the stable guy yeah but that, but here's they, the I, difference I, I just hey, listen i don't want to get into the minutiae of this right now i'm just saying like there's a reason that his name is going to be connected to this job whether he takes it or not connected to the job it's going to be obnoxious for Kansas fans to have to hear about it until someone else is hired. If someone else is hired, there are two Big 12 coaches who are going to hear the name connected to this, not the one who already vocally pulled out of it in Chris Kleiman. Lance Leipold is one of them. Don't be shocked if Matt Campbell is the other. I, the only thing the, I will say the is guy that I just described, State... I've just described Matt Campbell and Lance Leipold. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm just saying that the Michigan State job is a little bit different because of why he was let go. Like he was not let go because of on the field stuff. I'm sure that that made it a little easier to let him go. Uh, but the fact that he a lot of scandals are ignored when you're winning. Just gonna put that out there. Oh just and they get to, to mean, not pay him yeah, the Giants contract they gave him. It's just let's just move on. A uh, huge thing for Kansas, who is like five other teams, not out of the running of a trip to Arlington, Andy. I mean, you got to be psyched for Kansas right now. To, oh, yeah, to have sure. To have pulled off the back-to-back wins they did over Oklahoma and now at Iowa State. Without With, Jalen Daniels, guys. Without Jalen Daniels, who's not coming back. Like, Yes, he is. No, no I did. I, I don't mean, like, next year. I just mean, like, this year he's not playing. No, actually, uh, the expectation is that he could be available or he could be starting this week against Texas Tech, potentially. Okay, well, so. Could be potentially. That sounds uh, reassuring. Well, no, I'm sorry. The way that I've been, the way it has been described. Okay, Call Lance Leibold has already said that when Jalen Daniels is available or is able to play, he is a starting quarterback. Okay. And the this, last this indication, is, this is all. Look, I write for a living. This is all beautifully <laughs> done in such a way where legally no one has said he's not going to play this year. But also, no one has said he is going to. We just leave a lot of doors well, I open. I do know that here. Lance Leipold specifically said he's not redshirting this year. Um, That's and, fine. But as it stands right now, if he doesn't play two more games, then he redshirts this year. So the expectation is that he's back. He hope that that he'll be back. The question is whether it's this week or next week. One okay. thing. You're quoting me. Is that what you said? On Big Twelve Weekly tomorrow. Oh boy. Minutes. Inside beat reporter for the Jayhawks. Now wait a minute. Don't go that Dan far. Daniels will be the starting quarterback. Now wait, I did not say that. God, yes, please. Uh, so uh, Kayla, you're... We'll call you tomorrow. Confirming. Oh man. Love it. You wanted this life. You got it. Uh, no, gonna... no, I did not want this life at all. <laughs> this is gonna do so well for the podcast. Uh one thing that is always available is Charlie Hustle. <laughs> Vintage inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel. Show off your school spirit all season long. Look, there's plenty of things and reasons to go to Charlie Hustle right now and shop, and it's not just the 10, 12, 15 promo code for 15% off all non sale items. It's football season, it's cold, get a sweater, a hoodie. A varsity jacket that are so good. Uh, basketball starts Monday. We'll talk about that here in just a oh, minute. Oh, does or, it? Or, you know, did you know? You were you aware that men's basketball tips off on Monday? What's that? <laughs> so, uh, no, but you know what? If you want Jalen Daniels to be available, 
Um, he does have a shirt over at Charlie Hustle, which is always available. It's a, it's a, it's a shirt. It's a pretty dang good shirt. It's a pretty good. Maybe, maybe the problem for Kansas State's offensive line this weekend against Texas is that not enough people have bought the K State beef shirt. That's that could there. be. It well, is a good shirt. It's a, it's a dang good shirt because that's what Charlie Hustle it. does. Is dang good apparel. So go to charliehustle.com. Use that promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, 15% off all now sale items. Get yourself something for you as the temperature drops. Get yourself something for your significant other so that after they steal the one that you pretend you want, you get to keep the one you actually do. And then buy some things for family and friends for the holidays. Haley, looking around, you know that you... you my you know can- like clothing. My, my Kansas sweater uh, that I got... Uh, it is no longer. Oh, oh no! I was smiling because you're assuming I have a significant other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that comment wasn't Get directed two for at you. That was, yeah. that was more of a general, like, uh, to the public. Uh, <laughs> Dating in football season goes really well. I have so much free time. I mean, you have time yeah. for us, so you must so have time. For... <laughs> <laughs> uh, with more than thirty schools to choose from, including all the Big Twelve schools except Cincinnati. Cincinnati fans, remember, just bother your school. It's not Charlie Hustle's fault. Just bother your school. Bother your school. <laughs> and Colorado, they've got you covered all season long. Shop today at CharlieHustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Man, I bet our our sponsors just absolutely love our ad reads on the show. God, I, I hope my sponsors have never listened to a single ad read on my podcast and just the assume fact, that I do it. The fact that Philip looked at me and put the word men's in front of basketball. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Straight face. Podcasting a visual medium. All right. Uh, let's roll through some other games from the weekend. We're going to call this imagine. section... Uh, will they make a bowl? Let's start with West Virginia, who is going to make a bowl game by securing their sixth win this weekend over BYU, 37-7. to seven. Uh, Get their sixth win in a dominant fashion over BYU. That means the climb is going to continue next year, and maybe that will be a good thing because, y'all, with the schedule they have left, an eight-win regular season. I don't mean eight-win total. I mean eight-win regular season is very much in play here. This is a program that was picked to finish last in the Big 12. I picked them to finish last. I was wrong. I have gotten my apology already. I am giving West Virginia and Neil Brown the flowers here. The run game continues to be very good. CJ Donaldson and Jaheim White combined for 248 yards, two touchdowns on 30 carries for 8.2 yards per pop against BYU on Saturday. That that check will cash every single time. This is a very good year for West Virginia. I understand if West Virginia fans feel how you want to feel. I can't dictate how you feel about your fandom and how you feel about Nick Brown, how you feel about West Virginia, but y'all like it's you got six wins already with three games left of the regular season and a bowl game to go. Like I'm not saying you're going to win 10 games, but you know, you just turn the ball over six times last two games and you get two teams in Cincinnati and Baylor and then a bowl game. Like I'm not going to tell you to hope for 10 to get wins, but the fact that that possibility is even there at this point in the season, given what the expectations were in the preseason, y'all enjoy this, okay? Just enjoy it. You've got a basketball, men's basketball season coming up that we're not sure with all the things going on is going to be real good, so why don't you just enjoy the good times while they're here? <laughs> I mean, you said it. And Neil Brown, he was the only one who believed in this team. I remember he kept saying it over and over again at media day. 
he's like after they you know because the, the notorious question right when you're picked dead last in the preseason poll is always what do you expect from yourself you're picked dead last and he kept being like i i bought in we're gonna prove him wrong i believe in ourselves like we believe in this program that's all that matters we believe in this that's all that matters first couple games i was like okay cool <laughs> like then all of a sudden they they pop up to the top of the standings through a couple of like i think it was like week five or six or so and continue to play well, had a few of those, you know, up and down kind of battles, but Garrett Green was hurt. He was dealing with some injury. CJ Donaldson was also hurt for a little bit there. Now they're both back. He can get it done through, through the air and on the ground as well. You know, Garrett Green is a guy who's known for, for getting a few rushing touchdowns himself. You said it, the run game is firing in all cylinders and that will always, you know, always win. And they've continued to play to that strong suit. So I, I love what the Mountaineers have done. But I also think BYU is that bad. So with what, how they played last weekend, it was, you know, a dominant game for West Virginia and great momentum builder for them as well. But I do also think we should point out how bad BYU was in that game as well and the QB issues that they were dealing with. Um, but yeah, Mountaineers could potentially, I hate to say, could, I mean, it's plausible. Could I say that it's plausible to be a contender? Because it is. That's wild to even think. But yeah, they're, they're the fact that they're both is awesome. I think the wildest part of all this is the fact that they are a Hail Mary pass from Houston away from being tied for the lead in the conference. Thank you. That was the like that's the weirdest part about all of this. Like, I'm just glad that Kansas didn't get to play West Virginia. Like at first, I, you know, coming into the season, I was like, Man, I really wish Kansas would have been able to play West Virginia. Now I'm glad that they didn't because West Virginia looks like a good team as well, like a, a great team as well. I do think that they could beat Oklahoma. Uh, this week and I was shocked to see that line I think that line has more to do with people thinking that the public the betting public doesn't assume that or doesn't think Oklahoma could possibly lose three games in a row but um, this West Virginia team is a is a good team I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're a great team but they are definitely a good team and they absolutely deserve to be where they are in the, in the Big 12 conference race right now as for BYU they're bad on the road that's a bad road team it's a bad road team um, but Keen Slow is out Due to injury, he was available, air quotes, for them. But to them... To the same way that, that Jalen Daniels was emergency available this week, even though he stayed in uh, Lawrence. It's been emergency available. Like, <laughs> emergency. Pa, can we get like no, three timeouts and fly him here? It was funny because they had said before that he was available for emergency. And then we found out when we got up there that he actually didn't even travel with the team yeah, because of his back. Play. So it was just like... Like, cause, cause they didn't want him to ride the bus up there, but yeah, I mean, BYU has quarterback issues anyway, even with Keaton Slovis in no, there. But no, no and when look, he's not I'm, there. I'm tired. No, no, I'm worse. not going to do the, even BYU Keaton Slovis slander. Like Keaton Slovis is the only reason you even have five wins. Y'all, they cannot run the ball to save their lives. They cannot run the ball. They have zero run game and the defense is up and down. The only reason, the only player on the offense who has been remotely effective, inefficient, Game to game, yes, but at all effective, because it's not your run game, it's Keaton Slovis. The only reason you even have five wins is because of Keaton Slovis. At I think there's definitely been times where he has pushed too hard and it's yes. actively hurt them. Yes, that's fine. And so I, I can understand why some people are like, hey, Keaton Slovis is not the guy, but I, I, I agree with you. It's because he tries to do too much to make up for the fact that most other things aren't working. Haley wants to interject. Go ahead. No, I just, I mean, he's been around the block. I think he should be better and I, I get it. He does have to make up for production. 
uh, and he does not have receivers getting open. They're not getting separation. You mentioned that the defense is up and down. The defense was lights out at the beginning of the season, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it went on this little um, hill brigade, apparently. But, yeah, Slovis has been their shining light throughout the season, and he was the key for them. But wasn't it the first game where they had, I think, they only scored like two touchdowns in the first game and the offense against Sam slow. Houston. Yeah, yeah. So slow to get rolling. It was the defense that kept coming up big and then kind of midway through the season, it was Slovis who was kind of carrying the team. So yeah, you're, you're right. He's the key to it. But I also think. He's, I just don't, I don't. I I've heard some West Virginia fans say it's been really hard to get. The, it seems like it's been really hard to get the pit out of him. Thank you for saying that. Cause I am trying to say, well, I want to keep my job and I'm trying to think of how to say that. <laughs> Pat, Pat Narduzzi ruins everything. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> BYU is, is fine with Keaton Slovis. They're bad, bad without him. And so still go. needing one win to reach ball eligibility at this point. Uh, he's that banged up that you're actually going to sit him for a game. Like uh, with Iowa state, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state left on the schedule. I don't think BYU is going bowling. Yeah. Unfortunately this week against Iowa state is probably their best opportunity. And I don't think it's that great of an opportunity for BYU vampires Provo at night. Beware Texas tech 35. My dad cited that today in saying uh, in, in (laughs) expressing his concern about the cyclones making a bowl game. I've got I, BYU this, vampires is in the zeitgeist now. This week, Not, this he didn't got, use BYU vampires, unfortunately, but he <laughs> oh did man. cite the night game stat. This this week's got weird written all over it. I don't know why it just does. Texas Tech thirty five, TCU twenty eight for TCU. Y'all ever watch that movie Brewster's Millions? Anybody ever watch that? Am I old man? That's fine. I'm dating myself. It's Richard Pryor movie from back in the day. Anyway, it's about a guy who's like some old rich man who basically tells Richard Pryor if he can spend like a hundred million dollars in like a very short time period and all these rules, then he can have like even more money. I think it's, you have to spend a million again. This is made back in the 80s. I haven't watched it in a long time. Anyways, the whole point is he's got to spend like a, a, a bunch of money in a very short time frame, and then he can win even more money. Right. That feels like what Sonny Dykes is trying to recreate, uh, utilizing his goodwill in Fort Worth from last season. Seriously, has any coach ever burned through the amount of goodwill Sonny Dykes has as quickly as he has from last season to now? Like, he lost a lot of people. <laughs> he, he had quarterback he, issues too. I'm, I'm you sorry. You also hired that, a Bryles. But that, no, I'm sorry. The way you said that, Haley, just reminds me of when someone says that someone is like awful at something. It's like, but he tried really hard. <laughs> positive. <laughs> I mean, like when I try to, when I try to actually contribute to talking football, it's like, oh, she really tried. No, you bring the vibes, and that's more than enough, Jamie. Right, but that's exact. Exact. Yes, yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, um, yeah, it's not looking good. It's it's not it's not good. By the way, does anyone know the last time a team went from the national championship one year to missing a bowl the next? Baylor has it ever happened? Texas. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> what a shame. How big Something 12. about that it's state. Most, it's again, it's the most Big Twelve stat. Is it TCU is a true Big Twelve team? No, it's 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 the state of Texas thing. Look, I think you're overlooking the biggest thing to come out of that game, which is the possum that had to be led off of the field. Yes, ah, oh, the memes, my the memes. hero, my beautiful boy. <laughs> <laughs> if Texas Tech does not have a a possum at every game moving forward, I'm just like y'all, like I. 
Texas Tech's also had like other like a fox has come out one. Like Texas Tech has a that's, history of weird stuff that crawled out of the desert into their feet. <laughs> I I dream of one day like putting my bag down and having just like a little raccoon face peer out of <laughs> like the little uh ad things on the side where we set up our radio stuff like I saw that there was an MLB stadium that had their radio booth infested by a family of raccoons. And like, that's my dream. Like, that's all. Is that too much to ask? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I think it might be. There have been. Apparently. No. Allen Fieldhouse, haven't there? I'm pretty sure. For what? Fieldhouse has had a lot of birds nests up there, haven't they? That's uh, the we've had a few, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Someone you please take that and meme the Jayhawk in a bird's <laughs> nest at the top of Allen Fieldhouse, please. Well, so it usually happens in like the early, uh, it's like early in the year when, you know, it gets hot outside and like they're doing events or something in Allen Fieldhouse and they have the windows open because the AC for the longest time was not great at all. And so birds would just fly in the open windows at the top of the building. So. Yeah, it's happened more often than it should have. So, what, the, what but look, look, I I have a dream that Texas Tech has every single um every single series with a Big Twelve team named for something. We have the Butt Bowl already with Baylor. It's dead now. I think. Dead. I think, I think we should call this dead. one moving forward. I think TC Texas Tech should be the Opossum Offensive. <laughs> I appreciate you put the O in there. That's great. Uh, Texas Tech. TCU now both four and five overall. Ah. It is what it is. I mean, I don't think either of those teams are going to. TCU has Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma left on the schedule. Texas Tech has Kansas, UCF, and Texas. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I thought Tech was going to be something after that Wyoming game. I really did. And then going into Oregon, I really thought that they were going to get it rolling. And it's just, just kind of disappointing. I know that they've gone through like four, well, three quarterbacks now. This is uh, what, the second year in a row that they've gone through? No, it's <laughs> I'm been, sorry. It's like no, the, no, that they've gone through three. They had Chuck, Barron, and then they had Donovan that Smith. Jake Strong in, right? Yeah. Jake Strong. Now but yeah, up. I don't think, I think the last time that they've had a quarterback who's made it through was the quarterback after Patrick Mahomes. Nope. Cause that was right. Alan Bowman and Alan Bowman didn't go a whole season with that injury. Think about that. Oh, I thought there was one o- after Oklahoma, or maybe it was a, Oklahoma state anyway. bedlam legend. Alan Bowman uh, did not survive a full season. <laughs> yeah. See, I thought it was the, I thought I had seen a stat somewhere that said it was the year after Patrick Mahomes graduated. Uh, was the last time that Texas Tech had the same starting quarterback in every game of the season. Because I don't think Alan Bowman was immediately after Patrick Mahomes. Now I have to go look it up. Albie, please verify this for us. I know you're listening. Bowman, isn't he? He's a super senior, so he's what? Yeah. He was at Michigan for like two, three. Alan Bowman is a 
a, a grown man. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I don't feel great about any either team situation as far as finding two wins in the last three games to get to a bowl game. But you know, it's the Big Twelve. Crazier things have happened. Houston twenty five, Baylor twenty four in Got overtime. It. Sorry, real quick. Nick Shemenek was the last one, and that oh. was right after Patrick Mahomes in in twenty seventeen. God, there's a name I didn't remember. Okay. Uh, I'll repeat the last statement. Thanks, Andy. Houston 25, Baylor 24 in overtime. Props to Dana for going for two in overtime to get the win. The play call was great. The execution was perfect. <laughs> Baylor's dreadful season continues, and Houston remains. I'm going to said said this on last week. On last week. Great grammar. And I will say this again. Of all the four-win teams, or less, that would be Texas Tech, TCU, Houston, Baylor, UCF, and Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati's eliminated. We'll talk about them in a second. Of all of those teams, here's a wild one for you. Houston, I think, still has the best shot at actually going bowling with a closing schedule of Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and at UCF. Let that go through your mind for a moment, that Dana's Houston Cougars might have the best shot at a bowl game. I didn't say they're going to get one. Like, none of the teams with four wins might get to a bowl game. But the fact that Houston's the team who might have the best opportunity to do so because of the schedule moving forward is insane. So what I just heard is that I need to be a huge Houston fan for the next three weeks. Because Oklahoma State was on that list. Andy, this is a Big 12 show. I know, but come on. This is why Kansas State fans get mad at you. Just try and hide the favoritism just a smidge more. (laughs) <laughs> just tone down the blue and red hey, a little hey, bit. You hey, 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 just... you let me be me, okay? I, I do. That's why I I'm do. on the show, I thought. I literally had people tell me. No, that's me. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're here for the vibes. I'm here to get the outraged listeners. That's what, uh, that's like our oh, job. Oh, if that's what you being you is, I suppose. <laughs> no one's ever been mad at me in my entire life. One of one of seven. Uh, For Baylor, yeah, you're not going bullying. Houston might. I'm not. I. I. Mm, I'm gonna say no. But Houston Baylor, you're not. You're not going to a bowl game this year. Uh, everything I'm hearing is Aranda's gonna get another season. He just is. No losing to Houston isn't good. His buyout isn't small. And more importantly, it really does pay to be a nice person, to be a likable guy. Being someone people like to be around makes it easier to not fire you when you have a bad year. If you're an asshole and you suck or you do terrible things and you suck, they will pay whatever needs to be paid to remove you. In just Randa's ask Tom case, Herman. Just ask a lot of I know, I football know, head I, coaches. I can't help but take the, the, everywhere. the shot at Texas. I mean, that's fine. I mean, Les Miles, we could do uh, the same yeah, thing to you, but No, I agree. I agree with that one. Okay. But no, no, they got to file my, Miles with cause. They had to pay uh, Herman. Aranda will be back. The coaching staff will see changes. Aranda is most likely going to be back. Now, next year, you can open up the non-conf, or just the the off-season of, like, hottest seat in the Big 12 is Dave Aranda if things don't turn around quickly. It's not been good. It's it's not been good. And their numbers just keep falling. To, to do that in that game to Houston, like, that's not... I'm not saying it's the worst loss for Baylor this season, but given how kind of bad Houston's been this year, that's not a it's not a, it's not one you want to have to have on your resume at this point. And the fact that they were in the Big Twelve Championship game, what less than seven hundred days ago, won it, won the yeah. Big Twelve Championship, it, not just in the game, 
won the championship. <sighs> yep. I, I do have to admit, it loses some of the punch when you say less than 700 days, because that sounds like a lot of days as opposed to like two years ago. I'm trying my hardest to make things spin positive over here. We appreciate it, Haley. <laughs> Broadcast side of things. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the fact that you just said the that probably was one of the most embarrassing losses this season or the in, in history. I've said that like two or three times this season so far. That's terrible. <laughs> Said it all the way back in September when Oklahoma State lost 33-7 to at home to South Alabama. All right, UCF 28, Cincinnati 26. I can say it, I'm a fan. Despite outgaining UCF by 122 yards, Cincinnati loses their seventh straight game after losing the turnover battle 2 to nothing. Cincinnati continues to prove my point every single week that they will outgain you but not outscore you. That is the Cincinnati football team in a nutshell. Uh, they are officially eliminated from bowl eligibility. We don't have to talk about them going to a bowl game anymore. At this point, it's just, do they get a win or are they going to finish the season on a 10-game losing streak? We shall see. UCF ends their losing streak, gets their first Big 12 win, albeit it's over another newcomer. I'm going to do Big 12 win with air quotes. Again, podcasting visual medium. RJ Harvey was spectacular, 164 yards, three touchdowns on 20 carries. Bravo. Or it may just be that Ollie Gordon broke Cincinnati's run defense, and now everyone's going to run for whatever they want against them. Poor Cincinnati. Poor Scott Satterfield. No, no, no. Terrible hire. They get what they get. Just live with it. Okay. (laughs) Terrible. Again, we all want to look over How bad was this hire? Let's go look over the school that literally was happy to see him leave and how they're doing. Oh, pretty dang well. Louisville have a nice season. I wonder what the common denominator between Cincinnati's dive and Louisville's rise could be. He was at App State, then went to Louisville, and then came to Cincy, right? Correct. And it just is, uh, yeah, what he did. App State was great, and then what he did in Louisville was trash, and it had to do with the coaching staff he brought in and then here he is doing it the same way i'm going to be honest it might also have something to do with level of competition yeah yeah but also i mean you mean level of competition going from like app state up to louisville is that what you mean or just well that's true it is the acc i mean other than clemson but but Drinkwitz went from app state to mizzou and he's doing and florida state i guess no no now he's doing fine it's taken him a very long time and being able to land some (laughs) five-star wide receivers that are phenomenal to finally be doing well yeah but you're not this is not a missouri podcast you don't have to be nice to them here it's okay yeah I was born and raised in Missouri, so it's I'm hard. just, I'm just, you know what? Anytime anyone brings up Eli Drinkwitz, I can't help but think of the memes that go around from him holding up the sign against uh, Kansas at the, the the basketball game. Um, I'm trying to remember what actually was on the actual sign because I've seen so many other versions of it that I just don't remember anymore. Was it the one where, where people put on the sign that we want Bama? Is that the one that he was like, told? Yeah, putting a bunch of stuff on there for him. Uh, you know what? Actually, I think it was a... Um, it was a, a curse word that I'm not going to say on here about Kansas. So, because really? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get rid of Phillips' non explicit tag. So, thank you. I mean, look, he's just a giant nerd and they're having a good year. Congrats, nerd. Uh, you know what? You recruit enough, enough five star. Look, recruiting works. You know, it's fine. He finally found a quarterback. It's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, Ooh, we're going long. Let's let's. Uh, I hate to do this quickly, but we're going to do this quickly. Men's basketball gets underway this week. So so does women's basketball, right, Jamie? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, Philip. 
<laughs> if I had a mustache, I would twirl it right now just for <laughs> just for my own enjoyment. <laughs> um, by Wednesday, every Big 12 men's team will have played a game this week. I believe that's the same thing. Same with for... the women. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, the Texas plays on Wednesday. They're the last. Jamie, break down the the, uh, the must watch games in week one for the Big 12 this week. I would love to. I prepared. Don't worry. Um, so uh, number one, tomorrow you've got eight teams. Uh, tomorrow as in Monday, uh, we record Sundays. You've got eight teams in action right away. The ones that I am looking at initially are TCU and Oklahoma State because they both are relying on a majority of transfers uh, to have a lot of their production there. As far as the best actual games, those shouldn't really be close. Um, but as you look through the rest of the week, you've got a couple of really solid matchups. Um, you've got Oklahoma and Ole Miss on Thursday. Uh, Ole Miss picked up a ton in the portal. Oklahoma um, obviously lost their big three from last year, but they're a super deep team. Uh, so interested to see how that goes. And then over the weekend on Sunday, you've got a little preview of next year's conference slate with Oklahoma State and Colorado. Um, that'll be interesting as well. Colorado obviously had a really solid season last year. And again, we've got questions to answer about Oklahoma State. Finally, Iowa State and Drake will be really good. Um, Drake is a perennial power in uh, the Missouri Valley. They're they're really impressive. I have watched them play already. I went over to their exhibition game, and I was pretty impressed with uh, how they were looking after losing a big, big star last year with Maggie Bear graduating. So that'll be another really solid game. On the men's side, as I said, we've got, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve teams kicking things off, kicking things off, tipping things off on Monday. Let's go with tip off. Uh, the game on Monday, if you could stay up until 9 p.m. God's time, Kansas State versus USC in Vegas. That should be a fun one. Uh, let's scroll think. Come on, move quickly. Uh, Baylor going to be playing Auburn on Tuesday. 8 p.m. on ESPN. That one should be fun. Uh, then we make it to the rest of the way through the week. Everyone's got two games in the first week. Uh, UCF will face off against Miami at Miami on Friday. That one should be at least interesting. BYU hosting San Diego State on ESPN Plus at 8 p.m. on Friday as well. Again, if you can stay up a little bit later. Luckily, not much on Saturday to have to worry about because football is still in play. And, uh, yeah, then we make it all the way the next Sunday. And, uh, yeah, yeah, those are the marquee ones to keep an eye on. All right. I would say the big ones really start that next week. You know, for a while they used to do some of the big name ones. uh, But, like, Champions Classic got pushed back to that second week. It it, For a few years was in that, like, the opener. Um, I guess people want to actually, you know, warm up their teams in some real games uh, before they have those gigantic matchups. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, listen to the Midwest Madness podcast. We have a new host. Sam Raz is going to be hosting the show moving forward. We were working on some of the technical stuff to make sure it's available everywhere. But you can go to Sports Social, our uh, our good friends. You can find Midwest Madness there. Sam's doing a great job so far. Very excited for what he has in store as the third host of the show for this season. All right, we're going to wrap this. And show also, up. also, just in time for the beginning of basketball season. Um, had to follow up. Uh, we talked about it a couple times here, but over on the Patreon, if you go over to uh, patreon.com slash 1012 network, I will have an article coming up tomorrow for the basketball season 
that is building off of a uh, probably the highlight of the Big 12 basketball tip-off uh, where um, uh, Kelvin Sampson likened the Big 12 conference to the dog park, the dogs at the dog park. So we will be having a uh, a fun article over there. I'm actually getting ready to send it over to Philip so that we can have it up for tomorrow for when the basketball season starts. It's going to be awesome. It'll so be up, go subscribe. It'll be up Monday or Tuesday as soon as Philip uh, sits down to actually gets it uploaded. Yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> yeah. You know, technology as it is. All right, let's wrap this show up the way I actually wrap this show up now uh, the way we always do uh, by looking to the weekend ahead. Every team in action in the Big 12, seven games on the slate. Everyone gets to pick the game that they think is the most important. You just can't pick your team. I will run down the slate for you in chronological order. Everything kicks off at 11 a.m. on FS1, where Texas Tech visits Kansas at 2 o'clock on ESPN+, Plus because Baylor is now just an ESPN Plus team. Baylor on the road at Kansas State in Manhattan. 2.30 ESPN, Oklahoma State at UCF. Three, let's just call it night games. Oklahoma hosting West Virginia on Fox at 6. Houston hosting Cincinnati on FS1 at 6. TCU hosting Texas at 6.30 on ABC. And then we've got Big 12 after dark. The BYU Vampires at home hosting Iowa State at 9.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Iowa State fans, uh, maybe start the drinking a little bit later so you can actually make it all the way to the end of the game. All right, everyone. Andy, you're up first. What's the game of the week for you? I mean, I couldn't. Sorry, I couldn't help but think about somebody mocking up a uh, a picture of Cosmo dressed up as a vampire for Halloween or something for for BYU. But um, no, in terms of game, um, there's a lot of different ways to go with this one, and I, I feel like a lot of people are going to pick West Virginia Oklahoma. But I think I'm actually more interested in that Iowa State BYU game because it is for bowl eligibility. I think both of these teams, there's a good argument to make that this is their best chance to become bowl eligible. Um, it's going to be, I think, a fun one. The fact that it's going to be late is going to be giving me a good reason to actually stay up and watch it. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. I think that one has a good chance of being the most interesting, um, even if it's not the most impactful in the Big 12 Conference race. Jay, Yeah, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Not going to watch football. Done. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll watch Iowa State. Depends if I'm awake. Uh, game of the week for women's basketball is Oklahoma at Ole Miss. Love it. Haley? I'm saying Oklahoma State, UCF. Uh, this is always, you know, those those lower-level teams, you know, that give big programs who are hot trouble. So let's see if the Cowboys keep things rolling. Everyone probably thinks it's going to be an easy win. That's when there's good drama. So let's see the Knights come out and give them a little bit of drama. Uh, I still think the Pokes are going to take the win, but it'll be fun. Vegas doesn't seem to think so. I mean, Oklahoma State was only a one-point favorite to start. Yeah, the line's up to two, OSU two and a half, but there was um, some line makers, let's just say, people who projected this stuff thought UCF would be a one-point favorite to open up. OSU opened as a one-point favorite. This has OSU, quit celebrating. Like, congrats, you got the Bedlam win. It's time to move on. This game yeah, has, this has weird, weird let-down trap game nonsense in Orlando against a team whose record's not as is worse than the team actually is kind of nonsense built around it. Um, I can't pick that game. Go folks. I will. Yeah. It's revealed. I'll take Oklahoma, West Virginia. What? You're a cowboy. Oh, now I get it. 
Right, right. And, and Jamie is Iowa State, if you couldn't figure that one out. Apparently, we just were not crazy. overt enough in saying who our allegiances were. because That's a good I, thing. No, we're well, a Big 12 fair, show, but... not an Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas show. Okay. Uh, I'll take Oklahoma, West Virginia, because why not? Uh, look, can Oklahoma in the losing streak? Can West Virginia? Like, for West Virginia, like, we, we – I, I don't think they're going to win this game. I'm not going to keep them in the like contenders group, but they're still amongst that two loss conference record group. They're on the road at Oklahoma. They pulled it off last year. It was the first time they'd beaten Oklahoma since they joined the big 12. Could they go into Norman and pull off the absolute shocker and knock Oklahoma to a third straight loss, put West Virginia back in a have Cause for West Virginia, here's the thing. You only got two games on the schedule against what turned out to be the other contenders in the Big 12. Like, your schedule really did work out in your favor of having all these other teams who weren't very good. It was OSU and OU. You lost OSU. You need a tiebreaker against somebody to have any shot here. So, like, this weekend is it. If they're going to have any sort of shot against making it to Arlington, it's beat Oklahoma. Lose this one, and it's just, hey, we're going to have a really nice season. We're going to go bowl game. We're going to... We're getting back on the ladder to keep trusting the climb. So I will be very curious to see how West Virginia and Oklahoma look against each other. That's a loaded night slate. I say loaded just because there's like three games and then God, vampires. Oh, OSU West Virginia. Y'all that I have worried about that game for three weeks. Everything about that game screams like, Oh, <laughs> Ollie Gordon should run all over them for 300 yards. We'll see if that actually happens. We'll see. We'll if see. there was right. ever a time for Sonny Dykes to come up with some magic. Um, against Texas this week would be great. Said everybody in the Big 12, except for Texas. You hired a Bryles. That's all I'm going to say. You didn't have to. You burned a bunch of goodwill, but you hired him. Uh, Appreciate y'all joining us. Sorry if we went a little bit long. It's okay. It's fine. It's whatever. We had a lot to talk about. You can follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. Same thing on uh, Blue Sky. 1012 pod on Instagram and threads. Don't forget we are on YouTube as well. She is JSJ Jamie Steyer Johnson at JSTEYZ on Twitter. Please God watch my women's basketball previews. They took me so long. They took me so long. Fantastic. I had to speed a couple of them up because they were over two minutes and 10 seconds. Just pretend I'm talking fast. The like, like you, you spoke fast. Oh no, I remember. No, like she okay, literally yeah, took no, the no. video and gave yeah, it like that. a ten percent. So I, I saw. Yes, uh, it was a little like, oh, okay. So that's what Jamie would sound like if she spoke at a high speed. Uh, Andy Mitz at Andy Mitz twelve. Also go check out Blue Wings right Blue Wing Rising. Sorry, it's Blue Wings plural. Rising. It is pearl. You know. Yes, it is pearl. It's just uh, back and forth. All right, Haley. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. It has been fantastic to have you on here. Uh, hopefully this is not the last time. I feel like you've enjoyed yourself. Please plug everything that you do, ma'am. I've had fun, but now I'm craving a sprinkle volcano. So that's a little odd. Uh, <laughs> but my social <laughs> is at Haley Lewis underscore sports, pretty much all across the board. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. Are we still doing that? I'm still trying. I'm on there. <clears throat> so there you so, go. I'll take like there are some people who are really working to like grow the sports side of it. Uh, shout out to Sam Khan, the the expert who's really who's one of the people who's really trying. Vanini's doing a pretty good job too. So uh, I, I honestly was worried, Haley, that all of our just randomness was going to scare you away. But it sounds like you had a lot more fun. So hey, uh, when and when and where do we watch uh, Big Twelve this week? 
Uh, Big 12 Weekly is on ESPN Plus, and you can watch it every Tuesday. It airs at 5 p.m. Central Time. And then if you miss it at 5 p.m. Central Time, it's okay. It's ESPN Plus. On demand. Because you pay $9.99 to good old Disney to watch that ish anytime you want. Just like rewatching the Bedlam game, which I have already done. All right, this has been fun. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you on Thursday to make picks for the weekend ahead. Podcast Network.